Romans have been enjoying wine for 8,000 years or more, and there's never been entry exams, literacy tests, diplomas, or membership fees. You can go as far or deep as you want, or just take it all in and find your happy place. That being said, we like to spend our week looking for things that we can share with you in this space and time. We'll give you food for thought, ideas for adventures, and most weeks, tips, pointers, and insights that you can use the minute the program ends. Wine has always united us. It still does. And we've never needed that more. So climb aboard. There is no time like the present to get your adventure started. So here's your host, the doctor of deliciousness, the chairman of the Bordeaux, the top gun of wine fun, David Wilson. While it's not the biggest reason that I left California to come to Italy, it is definitely one of the reasons that I became a bit disenchanted with California. When I was a kid growing up, it rained like the Dickens, and we would go outside into the flooded streets and stomp around in our bare feet. And then I think for the last, I don't know, 90 years now, there's been little or no rain, except now things have changed appreciably. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you have probably heard the stories of this incredible series of storms that has just been pummeling California, and that does have an impact on wine country. It just so happens that there is a man, he is my mentor, he is my friend, and he also manages a radio station that we're on, and he's wearing galoshes as we speak right now, he is Michael O'Shea. And Michael is general manager, part owner, and I guess he's all things to all people over at KSRO in Santa Rosa. And now I think, Michael, what is it, like seven other radio stations? <laughs> it was seven, but now it's nine. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I've been running four, four really good, really solid stations here in Sonoma County for the last nine years. And I had a chance to just circumstantially because my one of my competitors was retiring and I made him an offer to buy their stations and they said yes. So just on December 1st, we closed on another group of radio stations. So we have a total of nine products, eight of them on FM and one of them on AM, which is KSRO, which has been in Sonoma County on the air for 84 years and one of the oldest stations in the whole San Francisco Bay Area. But um, we are happy to have grape encounters with the David Wilson and David and I have been friends for a long time, and I enjoy listening to you every Saturday on KSRO. You get to listen to yourself this time. <laughs> I want to point out, we're going to get into the weather topic in just a second, and I should say this, that Michael is a junior meteorologist, and he is a very skilled astronomer. He's also a pilot. There's not much that Michael doesn't do. He is what we would call the consummate renaissance man. He's also, by the way, the guy who, when I wanted to get my show on in the number one wine country in America, if not the world, he's the guy who said no. He says, it's not local enough. We have to have local programming. But the thing is, Michael didn't realize that most of the wine-related stories that anybody would report on in America are coming out of his world anyway. So by its very nature, it had to be local. But do you remember how I used to plead and beg you to carry my show, Michael? Well, David, that was really before I, I knew you very well. And once I met you and <laughs> 
found your charm and your persuasion <laughs> so compelling that I uh, started saying yes to anything you asked. Oh, gosh, I didn't know I had that much leverage. I'm going to have to start asking for bigger things. Can I have one of those Shih Tzus that you have? Oh, my God, no, not that. Yeah, I'm a Shih Tzu dad to, to three little boys. And since my own children, also all boys, four of them, have flown the coop and got their college educations and have started their lives and now are starting to have grandkids for me. I've decided that, that the best thing to having your own kids is to have a bunch of little Shih Tzus running around and they're just the most lovable little companions that I've ever known. And so my wife and I have adopted three, three little rescues. One of the things I do as just a passion, because I've been an airplane pilot for, I don't want to say how many years, but it's about as old as you are, David. And I started 29 years, 29 years. Yeah. But I started about 12 or 15 years ago doing pet rescue with a group called Pilots and Paws. And I just volunteer my time and my airplane, which is a small four seater, 200 mile an hour, little Mooney airplane, which is very safe and very fun to fly and quite economical, even with aviation fuel at the levels it is now. But I started doing pet rescue, mainly dogs, some cats. One time I even had turtles, but I started doing pet rescue with a group called Pilots and Paws. And I just literally fell in love with the Shih Tzu breed. And my last rescue, which was almost a year ago, because I've been grounded as I've had some medical issues that are now all repaired. I picked up a little boy Shih Tzu in Las Vegas and his two sisters, they were all from the same litter and they were about one year old and they were from Las Vegas. And the parents of these three little dogs had named them Elvis and Dolly and Tina. So I picked up all three of them in Vegas and flew them back here to Sonoma County. And I'd already arranged for rehoming the two little girls, but I knew I could find a good home for the little boy, Elvis. And so I'm flying back at uh, nine or 10,000 feet, doing a couple hundred miles an hour, just kind of in that boring part of the middle flight where uh, there's not much to do except monitor systems. And all of a sudden I felt on my lap kind of some movement. And it was the little boy, Elvis, that was crawling his way from the back seat up to the front seat and nestling into my lap as I had the airplane oh, no. right in front of me. And I looked down at his little face and I said, welcome to your new home, Elvis. And I adopted him myself. So wow. now I, I'm crazy in my senior years, but I have discovered that I'm crazy for dogs. Well, as you know, I rescued a little guy from my parents. My mom was on her way out, I'm sorry to say, and this was her dog, and they just weren't able to care for him, Henry. That was little Henry. God, I fell so in love with that dog. He just knocked me upside the head. And I took him in and it was just the most wonderful thing. He changed my life. He really did. Yes. They make you, for some reason, they just make you more human. And you start caring about the things that they care about, which is just to be happy, loved, and comfortable. And I, yeah. I know that sounds really corny, but I think if you've ever had an animal just become so connected to you, it will change your life. It really does. Unjudgmentally and without any reservation, they just become your best friend. There's a reason why they call canine man's and woman's best friend. And there is something special about them. And you and I share that. And actually, you brought Henry over to visit with me one time here at my home in Sonoma County. And that was a real delight. To, he to probably peed all over your house, though. It won't be the first time it's been peed in. Well, anyway, so here we are talking about uh, wine and rain. I guess mm. pee is the closest we've gotten to rain so far. <laughs> so yeah. oh, anyway, it's always nice to talk about other things. But Michael, you have 
been literally immersed in some of the most significant precipitation in probably California history, right? We're going to take a break here, but before we do that, what is this thing called? It's like a bomb cyclone. Is that right? Well, let me read a very short 15-second posting okay. I did on Facebook right. today. Okay, go you ahead. You can see it. And I posted on Facebook today to my friends. Most all of them are radio people, and there's a couple of thousand of them. I said, goodbye, bomb cyclone. So long, atmospheric river. Thanks for filling our lakes and reservoirs. Thanks for replenishing the water table in the subterranean aquifers. Thanks for five years of snowpack in the high Sierra. Come see us again and keep doing Mother Nature's good work. And also thanks and a welcome party for Ms. Spring and Mr. Sun. Okay, wine country, grapevines may proceed because the sun came out. We're going to have 10 days in a row of sunny weather and highs in the 60s. I read some very interesting information from some grape growers and winemakers about what happens when you have a deluge that literally submerges grapevines and they're underwater for a very long time. It's really very interesting stuff, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But I want to get, when we come back, an assessment of exactly what happened, because let me just say to everybody listening that Michael is literally right in the middle of the most substantial wine-producing region in America, for sure, and one of the three or four biggest in the world. Believe it or not, the area that Michael's in, Napa, Sonoma, and Mendocino counties produce most of the wine, probably close to 90% of the wine that is consumed domestically in the U.S. It's stunning. So this matters a lot. It matters to you, wine drinkers, what happens there. And that's why we have Michael on. Michael? Yep, you're right. I love okay. it. It's a great place to live and it's a great place to do business. It's really actually a strange change of scenery for you. We are talking to Michael O'Shea. You know what? Google him if you get a chance. He is an icon in the radio business and... If you don't believe me, you can ask Michael and he will tell you this. Actually, he won't because he's pretty super humble, but he really is somebody that everybody in the business respects, me especially. So we'll talk more with Michael. It's a privilege to have him on Grape Encounters, so stay with me. David will be back with more Grape Encounters right after they touch up his hair and makeup. Oh, wait, this is this is radio. Well, there's still paparazzi after the show to deal with. No. The only thing that Mendocino County winemaker Greg Graziano can't tell you about wine is how many different choices he makes. It's somewhere between dozens and cowabunga. Artisans like Greg don't count, they create. Did Da Vinci or Michelangelo take inventory? Let's just say that Italians like Greg can easily get carried away, especially when it comes to food and wine. Great wine is in Greg's DNA. His immigrant grandparents started making Mendocino wines in the early 20s, and despite being the head honcho of the much-beloved Graziano family of wines, Greg is just a humble, lovable guy. When you play in the dirt all day, you can't help but be down to earth. Ask your wine cellar for Graziano wines, or just visit GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. They've got five different brands. Why? Well, because Italians tend to have big families. Life is just more fun with a Graziano at your table.
Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know there are more compounds in wine than in blood? Maybe vampires ought to rethink their drink. All right, so I'm sitting here in Italy, the eastern side of the country. If you're in Rome, you just go dead east and go to the Adriatic shore. And it doesn't rain a lot here. They get about twice as much rain as California averages, but it's really just light, misty rain. Gets a little bit of snow now and again. This is the Mediterranean for sure. And so everything is just very easy going here. My life is pretty easy going as well. I miss my friends back in California, especially people like Michael O'Shea. Although, Michael, I think we actually see each other more now that I live in Italy. You've made one extended visit out here, and we've been on Zoom multiple times, mostly trying to figure out what's wrong with the technology. If anybody from Zoom is listening, you know what? You guys need to work on this product. You're making a boatload of money, and it's got a lot of bugs that drives me absolutely crazy. Michael, last time I was out there, you introduced me to somebody who I have worshipped for my whole life, literally, Norman Greenbaum, who is Spirit the person the he created and sang Spirit in the Sky, and he's a buddy of yours, and now he's a buddy of mine. And I like I never in a million years would have imagined that. I love that song. And now I love Norman Greenbaum. And it's so funny because I don't think I've told you this, but I'm sitting in a little bar here in Italy and they're playing a bunch of like classic rock music. And all of a sudden, Spirit in the Sky comes on. And so this is like a Saturday. And I say to my Italian friends, I go, that's a friend of mine right there. And they go, oh, we love this song. They're singing the song, right? And I say, that's my friend, Norman. And they're going, no, it can't be, you know? So I go, oh, I'll tell you what, let's just get Norman on the telephone. Did I tell you? Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I dial up Norman and I go, Norman, you're not going to believe this, but I uh, am in a bar full of Norman Greenbaum fans. And they all started singing Spirit in the Sky to Norman. It was the most surreal moment. And he was just so appreciative of that. And they have not stopped talking about this. It's the absolute truth. I tell you, you probably made Norman's day too. He is a, a, a neighbor of mine here in Santa Rosa. This is where he decided to live after his music career, although he he still gets up in local clubs and does a set or two every now and then, but he's just a delightful guy. And I got to know him through our radio station here. We have a classic rock station and his song comes up in rotation every nine minutes. So yeah, yeah. And that was a real delight for me when I found out what an avid fan you were and the fact that we could actually go over to his house, you and I did, and we visited with he and his wife, Bonita, and just had a wonderful experience. Like I say, it, it made his week too. Because if you're the world's biggest one-hit wonder, and I don't think there's any one-hit wonder that's any bigger than no, Spirit there's not. in the Sky. No. And uh, it's still in movie soundtracks. It was at the Super Bowl last year. And obviously for Norman, his lifestyle is made because of the residuals. He gets checks every month for all of the airplay and all of the television commercials and for Spirit in the Sky. And something I found out, and I think you did too, was that he is the number one requested artist at funerals in the United States. People, when they go out, sometimes, many times, they have in their will that at their funeral, they want to have Spirit in the Sky played 
And there's actually a company that keeps track of things like that. And he received a certificate about being number one at funeral homes across the United States. So what I should do is get together with Norman and start a business where they don't just play Spirit in the Sky. We have Norman there. Dressed like an angel, right? Because he's got that really long gray hair. We'll dress him up with angel wings and he could be- Oh, he'd love that. He'd love that. Uh, Maybe we got to try that sometime. The reason that he was significant for my show was, first of all, he is probably one of the best known residents of wine country. He is symbolic of your area for sure. He's beloved there. And then secondly, we had a lot of fun. I went out and I purchased wines to pair with several of his songs. And that's what we did. We sat there and we poured wine. And I told him why I chose the wines that I chose. He had a ball. He had a oh, ball. That's it great. was super great fun. Okay, let's get back to the weather now. Bomb cyclone, atmospheric river. We're starting to hear these terms in meteorology that we haven't heard before. Have we been getting this stuff all along and they just haven't been using these fancy phrases? Or are these things new in the cycle of life here? I mean, things do go through cycles. And even though some of the advocates to global warming and climate change and all of that are going to point to things like this as, aha, we told you, in reality, in reality, these have been happening for centuries, if not millennia. This part of the country and the entire West Coast United States, I lived up in Seattle for 25 years, 30 years, and it was the same thing. The bomb cyclones, they didn't have names for them. Cable TV has made those names. Meteorologists don't call it that. They have other names for it. But cable TV has jazzed them up, put the Sharknado effect in them. But in reality, weather does go through cycles, and it's sometimes decades-long cycles. Sometimes it's century-long cycles. And so right now, California has been in a significant drought for the last 9, 10, 11 years. And uh, this bomb cyclone and atmospheric river was a heck of a drought buster when it came through. And just like I said in my Facebook post, our groundwater is not normal yet, but it's way up from where it had been. The lakes, I drove across Lake Shasta on the freeway, Interstate 5, going right across Lake Shasta. Yeah. I used to remember when that was filled to the top, and you could see the bottom of the lake bed in some places. It's now back up to the top. Well, hold on. Let me interrupt for a second. Is that true that Mount Shasta is full again? Yeah. I, mean, I saw a picture of it wow. yesterday or day before, Wow. and it was a before and after, one midsummer and one now, and it's 87% of full. But, well, that's, uh, but we still that's got a lot of winter left, and there's a ton of snowpack up there. They're measuring the snow in the High Sierra in not feet, but in yards. Uh, yeah, meters, yeah. There's snowpack up there like it hasn't been in the last 10 years, and that will last for a long time because that kind of turns into glaciers sometimes just due to the pressure and the weight of the snow. And glaciers are one of the great uh, air conditioning elements of the planet Earth. So anyway, we're going through a cycle, but it's more related to just the regular Earth's cyclical changes. And certainly human beings have created elements of atmospheric damage that speed up things like this. And that's an ongoing discussion, particularly when you think that the United States contributes about 11 or 12% of the emissions. UK contributes about 2% and China and India together produce 53% of the world's emissions. I got to stop you for a second because we're going to have to take a break, but I'm actually glad to hear that you give some credibility to the impact of these emissions on the environment because I thought you were going to go full-on anti-global warming on me, and then we would have to have a little wrestling match on that one because 
I'm not on the same exact side of the fence that you are. And by the way, every time I express my opinion about global warming, I get pounced on by some of my listeners. They just go bananas. That's the only time that I get hate mail. We'll talk about that in a second, but we're going to take a break now. We're talking to Michael O'Shea. He's up in Santa Rosa, California, which usually is on fire. But now it's underwater, and that's just how weird things are in the world today, especially California. But then you all have been saying that California is weird from day one. So we'll come back. It is. And yes, it is. California is a strange place. But if you can afford to live there, it's a good life. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Did you know that some wines are just as delicious and desirable after 100 years as they were when they were young? Hmm. Should, should I be seeing a winemaker instead of my doctor? Grape Encounters will return right after this. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure. Those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com, eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Show everybody, Michael O'Shea is with me today. He is one of the most fascinating, interesting, incredible people. He's got the most, uh, how do I even say it? His life has so much texture and he is living life to the fullest. And then he just got a new kidney. And now they have to tie him down to his desk because at least when his kidney was whacked out, it slowed him down enough for the rest of us to be able to keep up with him. But now that he's got the new kidney, he thinks he's a 17-year-old boy. And that's it's about right, Michael. That's exactly where you are. You have this newfound zest for life, and you are already outrunning everybody doing just a, an incredible number of things. And then now here you are. Every now and then, David, your check engine light comes on. And mine, mine came on last year. And so I did. I In August, I underwent a kidney procedure at Swedish Hospital in Seattle, where I've been on the list for 12 years. And I've got the new lease on this thing called life, recovering fully and doing well. But it made for an interesting year for me. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you. Let's go back to the weather for a second. I was surprised, actually, that in combing the news, that there wasn't it seemed like an appreciable amount of horrifying damage, at least in Napa and Sonoma and Mendocino. I know, yes, rivers definitely crested above their banks and there's a lot of flooding. But what's interesting about it is, Michael, in reading several different opinions about what really we can expect as a result of all of this rain and flooding in terms of wine, 
is that grapes are absolutely dormant right now. They don't care. It neither helps them or hurts them. What is happening, though, is the soil is like a giant sponge and it's sucking up all this moisture and it retains this moisture and it also fills the aquifers. Part of your group there is one of the most respected business magazines in California, if not the country. So the business of wine is a huge part of what you do. What are people saying? Do they welcome this incredible overkill that Mother Nature is laying upon us? You know, what, what is the general consensus? What are your people well, writing about now? David, for the last half dozen years, this place has just been in a severe drought. All kinds of water restrictions. You can't wash your car in the summertime. There's police looking for you if you do. I'm not saying that literally, but the water restrictions here have been pretty intense. And so as all of a sudden things pretty dramatically changed beginning just after Christmas time up until yesterday, in total truth, the comment when somebody would complain about the weather, about the rain, the feedback comment was, but we sure need it. And that's true. We would have a big rain come and then be surrounded by 250 days of non-rain. And yes, our aquifers dried up or the lake beds dried up, the rivers or streams instead of rivers. And so all of a sudden here comes the, the atmospheric river. But the interesting thing and good thing about this last episode, and the episode was one storm after another, but there was about a day and a half in between every major system that came through here. And yeah. that day and a half is what it took to drain off the last drenching and get ready for the next. Uh, and so that really gave us just about, about the right amount of spacing. The Russian river, which is number one, the, for all of the vineyards in the, in the North Sonoma County area, which is a lot, a lot of huge, very, very famous wineries in that area. The Russian river yeah. stayed largely within its banks. There was a couple of days where it crested less than a foot above flood stage, but the timing of the various systems coming through was such that it gave us plenty of rain, but not enough to really cause dramatically widespread flooding. We had some areas that definitely were flooded, but we didn't have that that you see on the Mississippi River every 15 or 20 years where it just goes on for miles and miles. And that was our savior here. We blunted the drought but we didn't go to the extremes where there was overall problem with floods yeah. and things like that. I have for several years now been absolutely obsessed with monitoring the level of the various dams and reservoirs in California and actually in Arizona and Nevada as well. It's fascinating to me. California has done a I'm going to say so-so job preventing water from rushing out to the ocean where it does absolutely no good. And they're getting better and better at capturing the water. But I would say really California is 75 years behind schedule. They should have done this ages ago and they wouldn't have the problems that they have because the problems are really, really serious. And we got to the point, and I'm saying we because I am a Californian, I have a California address as well. We came to the point where if we had not gotten this rain and or at least a decent amount of precipitation this year, the consequences 
would be catastrophic, absolutely catastrophic. And I remember seeing, I don't know, maybe six months ago or eight months ago, there was a photograph that just shook me up. And it was one of those digital signs that they sometimes put out. The highway patrol will put them out. And it was near the Colorado River. And it basically was flashing how many days were left before the river goes completely dry. The Colorado River. This is a big river. And it was now at that point a trickle. And on that sign, Michael, the amount of days was 27 days. So there's some absolutely beautiful places. Like I love this one lake in Santa Barbara County. It's Lake Kachuma. It's up in the mountains. It's so beautiful. You've probably flown over it a million times. And when it is full, it is one of the most gorgeous places on earth. And when it is dry, it is absolutely tragic. It's been a couple of times now in the last decade that fires have literally swept through and burned areas that used to be underwater. It's madness. But I think what's really super interesting about it, Michael, is they always say that when they dam up an area to start collecting water for whatever purposes, they will usually say that it's going to take five, seven, 10, 12 years to accumulate enough water to bring this reservoir up to full. And it's so amazing that even though that's sort of the general wisdom that when we have these storms like this series of storms, it can shorten seven or 10 years to two months. Yeah, absolutely. It's not going to happen overnight. And even though we had this onslaught just in the last three, four weeks, I kind of joked about the snowpack and the reservoirs. They're up beyond anything that's happened in the last 12 years. But still, there's constant need for additional water in California. Let's take it back to wine for a second. The lion's share of wine does not come from the Napa Valley. It does not come from Sonoma County. It comes from the San Joaquin Valley. Now, I'm talking about the really big brands, and we're talking about Barefoot, a lot of the stuff that Gallo does. The amount of grapes that are planted there is just staggering. I don't really like to use the word staggering with grapes, but anyway, it's staggering. And what's amazing, Michael, you may not know this, by the way, it's so hot in that area. The heat is so intense that the grapes are just, you know, making sugar like mad, ripening like mad in the daytime. And then when things get chill at night in places like Napa and Sonoma and Mendocino and Lake County and wherever, the grapes settle down and they sort of get a chance to catch up with themselves and not much happens. In the San Joaquin Valley, however, the Central Valley, those grapes continue to mature at an incredible rate all day, all night. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Sure. (laughs) It's like that. It's Attack of the Killer Grapes because these grapes just pump. And I'm going to take a break for a second, Michael. When I come back, I'm going to tell you something that is going to rock your world about grapes. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm going to tell you how much water helps to produce a crop that is inconceivable. And then when you take that away, it takes away a lot of wine from Americans and beyond. All right. We're talking to Michael O'Shea. And I just was talking at you there for a minute because this is such an important point. 
when it comes to precipitation. But we're talking to Michael O'Shea up at KSRO in Santa Rosa. It's one of my favorite stations. You know, I can't play favorites really, but that's my turf. All right, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. These days, it is critically important for you to like us on our Facebook group page or any other social media you connect with us on. Those likes help keep us going strong. Also, if you're listening to us on a podcast, please consider writing a review or giving us a thumbs up or five stars. It's what enables us to take you on trips around the world and share things about wine that are often overlooked. Thanks for being a part of the family. At every family gathering, my brother Steve and I each bring several bottles of wines and try to one-up each other. I bring wines from all over. Steve only brings wines from California's Mendocino wine country, where he's lived for decades. And even though there are hundreds of great wineries there he can choose from, he mostly brings wines from the Graziano family of wines. Now you'd think you'd see a lot of duplicates from past gatherings since most producers only make 6 to 12 wines, but Graziano has 5 brands that make literally dozens, upwards of 30 mostly Italian varietals, and all rock stars. Made by the real rock star, Greg Graziano. You can hear my recent interview with Greg at GrapeEncounters.com, and you can find Graziano wines all over America, or buy them online at GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. I've never confessed how much I love Graziano wines to my brother, and uh, let's keep it that way. All right, we are on with Michael O'Shea. He is up in Northern California. You know what, Michael? I don't understand why they call it Northern California. If you look at a map, it's not Northern California. It's really Central California, isn't it? Yeah, really? it really is. California is such a massive state, lengthwise, certainly, because I've driven it multiple times. If you're going to do like a RV thing, it's really a fun state to just start down near the Mexican border, San Diego, and then go all the way up to the Oregon border. And then, you know, just keep going all the way to Canada. Oh, which, yeah. Which is where you spend a lot of your time. But it's a very diverse state. But I don't think people understand that you could stick several European countries inside California. It's a big place. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I believe California's overall GDP or economic impact is, I believe it ranks fifth compared to other countries. You are absolutely correct. I used to actually handle the marketing for the Los Angeles County Economic Development Corporation years ago. And this was something that we talked about about a lot. At that time, California was number seven. So you could take California and if you treated it as a country, it was the seventh largest economy in the world. It's just shocking. But I was talking earlier, Michael, about the role of weather on production of wine. The water is incredibly important in places like the Central Valley. And this is now below you, okay? But where you are is very critical because the rain and the snowpack that is not very far away from where you sit right now is what is going to feed those grapes, irrigate those grapes for the rest of the year. 
And last year, they basically turned the spigot off. They said, I'm sorry, there's no water. It literally put farmers out of business. You don't think this matters. If you're sitting in Montana right now, or you're sitting in Tennessee right now, I don't care where you are, and you think that water in California doesn't matter to you, you better think again, because a lot of what you eat is coming from here. In fact, the lion's share of what you eat, vegetable and fruit-wise, is coming from here. And the impact on grapes is huge. Michael, I was going to tell you just how big this impact is in the Central Valley, because that water that's coming down up there is eventually going to find its way down into the Central Valley. In Napa and Sonoma, what would be considered to be a good crop, okay, would be to get eh, somewhere between three and five tons of grapes per acre, right? All right, so here's a quiz, all right? If you don't get this right within a couple of tons per acre, you have to take oh, me in. You have to take me anywhere I want to go in the plane, okay? Okay. All right. So how many tons per acre of fruit do you think that the Central Valley produces compared to the three to five, six tons per acre in your neck of the woods? I know the answer to that. You do. 16.7 tons. Actually, 16.73 tons. Okay. But it gets as high as 25, 28 tons per acre. Well, see, my guess was off by 50%. Were you guessing? Were you just like, you tried to snow me. Like you acted like you were an expert. Yeah. (laughs) I like how when you gave me the answer, you like touched your glasses. It was very, no, it is like 25 to even 28 tons per acre. So what is that? It's five, six, seven times the amount of production. And then those grapes, and they're actually fairly good grapes. They go into sort of the everyday wine that you drink, the jug wine, the cheap wine. And companies like I mentioned Barefoot, they do a pretty good job of turning that into fairly good wine. It's all interconnected, however, and that's what I want to just stress, that it's not just Napa's over here and they're making great wine and Sonoma's making great wine and then the Central Valley's making cheap wine. It's all a big family and it all works very well together to give you everything from ultra premium wines that sell for $500 to $1,000 a bottle down to $2 a bottle wines that you're going to find at Trader Joe's. Two buck Chuck. Yeah, which isn't two bucks anymore. I don't know. How much is it now? Do you drink that stuff? You can't drink that stuff, right? Oh, come on. No, I have no idea. All right. Yeah, I just know it's a cute name. Okay, let's talk about the rest of the season for a second. Today, we're at sort of the mid to latter part of January. But January is not the wettest month in California, is it, Michael? Isn't it February? Yeah, yeah. typically our biggest storm surge here is beginning of February, end of January, beginning of February. But this year, things just moved up. They escalated. But I'm still hearing that that even though we're finished with these various Pacific systems that start actually up in the Gulf of Alaska and work their way down here and sometimes visit Hawaii for a while before they turn into the Pineapple Express, which is another cable TV term. But these systems that come through, even though we're finished with them for a period of time, we're getting alerts that there's going to be more on the way in mid-February and probably into March. And as they say, as January goes, so goes the rest of the year. It looks like if that does continue, that our drought will be blunted to a great deal. And as you pointed out, with all of the snow melt out of the Sierra range, that provides the irrigation for so much of the crops here in Northern California and certainly in the Central Valley too. And there's a ton, literal, you know, million tons of snowpack up there right now. Yeah. My hope for California is this, and we got to wrap it up. We're almost out of time here. But my hope for California is this, that 
not just California, but the rest of the country, any place where there are real serious water problems, that we start looking at what other countries are doing to get creative, to conserve water. The first thing is we have to dam up more basins and collect more water. When I lived up in Lake Arrowhead, up in the mountains, Alpine Village, it sickened me during wet winters to watch the water just flowing off the backside of the mountain and just down into the sand, the desert below, and doing absolutely no good whatsoever. The second thing is look at how creatively places like India are dealing with the transportation of water. They have canals that pour water from one area then far away to another area. And you know what they do to keep the water from evaporating? They cover the canals with solar panels because that space is wasted space. So they go, hey, you know what? Let's put solar panels on top of the canals. And that way we'll slow down immensely the evaporation of the water. At the same time, we've got a great way to create energy at the same time. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that there are places where they actually tickle on the solar panels. I'll be dark. Yeah. And some people are really smart, Michael, huh? Yeah. Well, I tell you, technical innovation in in my opinion, is what is going to get us out of this yeah. this climate change critical period. We're yeah. too smart. We're too smart not to figure out something. Yeah. I just think that we are totally blowing it and it makes me sad. The thing about climate change is in reality, nobody knows. Nobody knows because the Earth's climate has changed a million times and we've only been here as a species for a nickel and dime of that time. But anyway, I'll just leave you with this. This is what I always tell people. Yes, the Earth has gone through natural cycles the beginning of time. There's no question about it. But in this latter part of Earth's existence, it has a lot of human beings on it, which it didn't have before. And there's a question as to whether or not we contribute to the overheating of the planet. When in doubt, take good care of the planet. That's all. We have nothing to lose by not sending a lot of pollutants up to the air. All right, Michael. No comments. Thank you so much. Uh, say hi to Elvis for me, would you? I'll do it. I'll do it. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. You've been a champ. I really appreciate you. Thanks, David. Bonjour. Talk to you later, my friend. Bye-bye.